name, the name of Jesus, whom we come to worship. It says in the Psalms, Come, let us bow down and worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker, for He is our God, and we are the people of His pasture, the flock under His care. Will you pray with me, please? Father, thank you. Thank you, Lord, that we can gather. Lord, that there is no greater name than the name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord, that it was by your blood that our sins are forgiven. And Lord, we don't gather here because we're perfect or we're really religious or we're really smart. We gather here because we understand that we're broken and you're perfect. And Father, we love you. We come to worship you. Father, I pray that you would speak to us today. I pray, Lord, that wherever we are in our journey, whether we're on the mountaintop or in the valley, Lord, that you would speak to us, say, give us that hope, give us that compassion, give us that conviction, give us that clarity of calling, Father, that we would know that you love us. Father, thank you for this time. Lord, I pray that it would be your spirit that would speak to us and no one else. And I pray, Father, that you would be glorified. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ and all of God's people said, amen. So it's um, Labor Day weekend, and it's rain, and there's a Husker football game. Pastors don't like that. And then we hear, oh, no, 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 the game has been canceled and rescheduled for 10.30 Sunday morning. If you don't believe in the power of prayer, trust me, every pastor in the state of Nebraska started praying for God to do something, and he did, so we're grateful. Now, with that said, this sermon was um, prepared before the game was canceled last night. So I'm going to need you to use your imagination with me, or you're not going to get a whole lot out of today. Okay, so just work, work with me on this, people. Just work with me, all right? Um, and hopefully you are excited now that college football is back. Maybe not in Nebraska, but college football is back and it's exciting and Saturdays mean something now. You can turn your TV on and it's just awesome. And people will gather in bars and in homes and some people will make the trip down and wait for hours in the rain for nothing. But there are people that are going to go and campers are going to be pulling in to uh, stadiums all around the country and the smell of great grilled food is going to emanate from campuses all over this country and little kids are going to have their face painted and, and the indoctrination is going to begin for every school for young fans and it's just going to be this awesome, awesome time and everybody who goes to a college football game regardless of the team that you're rooting for, you hope for two things. One, you hope your team wins. Everybody wants to go and see their team win. The second thing you hope is you hope for one of those moments. One of those game-changing moments that you'll talk about for years to come. One of those moments that it not only changes the game, it changes the season, and maybe even changes the trajectory of an entire program. One of those game-changing moments that you talk about at work for the next day. One of those game-changing moments that you, you YouTube years later and tell your kids, you have to see this play. It was the most amazing play that there ever was. 
See, that's what everybody wants, those game-changing moments where legends are born and heroes are made because everything changes. And that is the exact same thing that God has called you and I to, to be a game-changer. Not on the football field, but to be a game-changer in people's hearts. That people would be changed by the love, compassion, and hope of Jesus Christ. But the question is, how do we do that? How do you and I become a game-changer? Well, I'm really excited that we're going to begin a sermon series today, and we're going to go through the Gospels. We're going to go through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and we're going to see how ordinary people, just like you and me, can be a part of God's game-changing plan through helping people see the hope and compassion of Jesus. So I want to encourage you, if you've got your Bibles, let's open them up. We're going to be looking, starting in Matthew. We're going to be starting in uh, Matthew 14. We're going to start at verse 13. So Matthew 14 Verse 13 says this. When Jesus heard what happened, and we'll come back and talk about that. When Jesus heard what happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Jesus replied, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. We have here only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Bring them here to me, he said. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up the 12 baskets of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was about 5,000 men besides women and children. This is a really unique passage in that this story is in all four Gospels, which tells us this was a very powerful, game-changing moment for the disciples and for so many people that were a part of this in whatever capacity they were a part of this. Now, we have to start right at the beginning when it says, when Jesus heard what happened, we're like, well, what happened? Well, we go back and John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin, was beheaded. He was killed. And so Jesus said, I've I've got to withdraw to a solitary place. I'm upset. My cousin was beheaded. He was killed. We also know that King Herod was making a lot of noise and he didn't like what was happening here with this this ministry that this, this rabbi, this Jesus was doing. So Jesus said, I'm just going to step away. I'm going to get away. Well, as Jesus is crossing the Sea of Galilee... Because if we remember earlier, that's where the disciples were when Jesus walked on water. They were on the Sea of Galilee. As Jesus is going over to the the other side of the Sea of Galilee, the people are running along the shoreline. They're like, there he is, there he is. They're trying to keep up with Jesus. Wherever he goes, there he is, there he is. Because they want to be near Jesus because they know Jesus can give them something that nobody else can. And so when Jesus lands on the other side, I mean, he's trying to get away. He's upset you know, his, his cousin has died. King Herod's going crazy. What does it say that Jesus does? It says, he had compassion on them and he healed their sick. So Jesus, after being emotionally, probably physically tired, he gets over there and he starts healing their sick. And when we read this text, we can say, there it is. There's the game-changing moment, right? That Jesus healed all those people. No, that's not the game-changing moment. It's a big play. Don't get me wrong. It's a big play in the game. But that's not the game-changing moment. And Jesus is healing. 
And he's healing a lot of people. It's not like he's healing one, two, and three. It's 10 and 20 and 100 and 1,000. He's healing and he's healing and he's healing and he's healing. Now, the disciples are with him. They had been with him for two years. This event takes place about a year before Jesus would die on the cross. And so the disciples are looking around going, there's a lot of people here. And this has taken a long time. It says here in the text, as evening approached. So now this has been going on a while. And the disciples are like, man, there, this, is, this is a lot. This is going on. So they get together. And can you see the disciples in a huddle? All right, he's been healing. This is great. But man, there's a lot of people here. We know that it said there were 5,000 men, but we add the women and children. It's probably like 15,000. Can you imagine like looking around going, there's 15,000 people. Look at that line. This is going to be crazy. And they say, these people are going to get hungry. This, this isn't going to work. There are no concession stands when Jesus starts healing. And so they, they said, all right, we got to have a plan. This is getting overwhelming. This is getting to be too much. So they say, all right, we got a plan. They come to Jesus, and what do they say? Uh, Jesus, hey, great job on the healing thing, man. Like, honestly, really good. It's really awesome. Big turnout. It's really cool. But you know what? We have a recommendation. <clears throat> Send them away. They got to go. And it was so big and so overwhelming to the disciples, this problem, that they said, go away. And isn't that what we do? When we have a problem in life, we're like, just get it, get it away from me. I can't deal with it anymore. We try to send our problems away instead of doing what we're called to do and give it to Jesus. They said, you know what, Jesus, we can't handle this. There's too many people. There's no way this is going to end well. They're going to get hungry. We don't have anything to do. Jesus, you've got to send them away. And what does Jesus say? Does Jesus take the recommendation? Yeah, you're right, man. This, this is a lot. We probably can't do it. Listen to what Jesus says right here. Jesus said, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. And in the Greek, the word you is said like, you give them something to eat. It's not you give them something to eat. It's you give them something to eat. Now, can you imagine the disciples? What are you talking about me? See, if we're going to be a follower of Jesus, and if we're going to be a game changer, that means we're going to partner with Jesus. See, Jesus one of the disciples, so you're not here to be my audience. You're here to be my army. And you're going to be a part of what I'm going to do. See, we sometimes forget that. We sometimes think that we should just follow and watch what Jesus does. Jesus says, you are going to be a part of this. See, we are called to partner with Jesus. Jesus will work through us. Jesus will work despite us. But the disciples said, no, 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 no. We've got to send them away. And Jesus says, you can do it. You can do it. Don't send your problems away. You can do it. Partner with Jesus and watch what Jesus can do. But how many times do we just send our problems away? I don't want to deal with it. I can't deal with it. And Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. You will deal with it, but you'll deal with it through my help. See, if we're going to be a game changer, a game changer realizes I've got to partner with Jesus. I've got to trust Jesus. That if Jesus tells me I'm going to be a partner with him, that's how we become a game changer. So we move on and we see that Jesus just told them and the disciples, they get back together. It's another huddle. And they're like, what is he talking about? Well, he's crazy. There's no way. Us? No way. They said, okay, what's our food count? And they said, we got five loaves, two fish, and 15,000 people. Uh, no. I don't think that's going to work. And do you know where they got the fish? They got the fish from a little boy. It was like his lunch. 
So the disciples didn't even get it, but the little boy gave them five loaves and two fishes. So they're in the huddle. I don't think this play is going to work. And so they come back to Jesus and they say, um, okay, we got the you part. We got that. We kind of talked over here. And we're going to go with, we only have five loaves of bread and two fish. And Jesus just looks at them. I mean, I can only imagine the look. And he says this, bring them here to me. You know you're in trouble with your mom or dad when they talk really slow. And Jesus says, bring them here to me. And he's talking about the five loaves and two fishes. And you know how we translate that when Jesus said, bring them here to me? He said, give me what you got and watch me work. That's what Jesus said. Give me what you have and watch me work. Jesus said, don't worry about how much you have. Just give it to me. And you watch what I can do with what you give me. See, sometimes we think, I got to give a whole lot to Jesus for him to be able to do anything with it. Jesus says, give me what you got and watch me work. It doesn't have to be big. See, it's, it's, it's not about what we give. It's about who we give it to. Jesus said, you just give me your five loaves and your two fishes and then back up and watch me work. How often do we do the opposite of that and say, well, I don't have anything big to give to Jesus, so I just won't give him anything at all. But Jesus says, just give me what you got. Whether you got a little or whether you got a lot, just give it to Jesus and watch him work. But instead, we don't because we don't think it's big enough or we don't think it's impactful enough. Do you know that five loaves and two fishes can maybe feed one or two people once? I mean, it makes no sense that five loaves and two fishes would be able to feed 15,000 people. But you take something small and you put it in the hands of Jesus, man, you better watch out. You better watch out what Jesus does when we give him something small. I mean, and we give it to him, he's going to use it in a big way, a huge way. So whether you say, you know what, I only have an hour a week apart from all my responsibilities to give to Jesus in ministry, just give it to him. Watch him work. If you say, well, you know, I don't have a lot of time or ability, but I can sing a little or I can do this a little, just give it to Jesus and watch him work. See, game changers give what they have to Jesus and then let him work. See, we are not a game changer. The church is not a game changer. Jesus is a game changer. He's absolutely the only game changing thing there ever was and there ever will be. But we get to partner with him by just giving him what we've got. It's not about the resource, it's about who receives it. See, we have to get to a place in our life, and this is the place that we all struggle with. I know I do. We have to get to a place where we say, Jesus can do more with what I have than I can. We have to get to that place that says, I know that Jesus can take my time and do more with it than I can. I know Jesus can take my talent and do more with it than I can. I know that Jesus can take my treasure and do more with it than I can. Then we start to become a game changer. Just give Jesus what we have and watch him work. But we don't do that. We don't do that. See, in order to be a game changer, you have to realize, first, I'm going to be a partner with Jesus and second, I'm just going to give him what I've got. It doesn't matter how I perceive the size of my gift, the size of my time, my talent, or my treasure. Once I give it to Jesus, 
he's going to use it in a huge way. When I was first trying to understand who Jesus was, I was invited to a men's Bible study, a young men's Bible study. I had a full-time job. I didn't have a lot of time. I was going in different directions. So I maybe had just a little bit of time. And so I went to this one hour a week Bible study. It changed my life. It changed my life. All of a sudden, I got to experience the passion, the presence, and the power of God in my life. And it started with, I just said, God, I just got one hour a week. God said, just give it to me. Just give it to me. Watch what I do with it. And the next thing you know, I found another hour and another hour. And then I started going to church. See, we often think, I don't have much to give Jesus, so I'm not going to give anything. Give him what you have. If you only have a little bit, give it to him and watch him work. It's an amazing thing. And so Jesus then, he takes the little five loaves and two fishes, and what does he do? He prays. He asks God to bless it. He asks the Father, bless this, right? And the people that are in the crowd, they got to be thinking, what's going on here? Because all of a sudden now, they're starting to say, Moses fed the people, and we know that the Messiah is supposed to feed the people. And wait a minute, who is this Jesus? All of a sudden now, people are starting to say, wait a minute, who is this teacher? Who is this rabbi named Jesus? Maybe he's not who we thought he was. Maybe he's not just a healer. Maybe he's something special. Maybe he's different. See, Jesus can do lots of miracles. He has, is, and will, but he doesn't do them because he can. He does them so people will see who he is. See, and the game-changing moment is when people see Jesus not as a healer or a feeder, but as the Messiah. That's the game-changer. When people see Jesus as their hope, as their salvation, as their truth, that's the game-changing partnership that we get to be a part of with God. And so Jesus, he prays over the food, and it says that then the food was distributed. And I love this word. It said that all the people who ate, all 15,000 were satisfied. When is the, the last time you could say, I am satisfied? Maybe it was a great meal that you had to say, I am so satisfied. Maybe it's doing a project in your house. You say, man, I am really satisfied with the landscaping or, or the work we did around the house. Or maybe you're satisfied because you had a great project at work. And you're like, man, we really did a great job as a team. Satisfaction is a, is a hard feeling. But when you have it, that moment of satisfaction, you want to keep it. Imagine 15,000 people all being satisfied. That only comes because of their experience with Jesus. They ate the food and they were satisfied. In fact, did you notice in here what it says? It says, they all ate and were satisfied and the disciples picked up the baskets of broken pieces that were left over. They were leftovers. Leftovers. We love leftovers in our fridge. But when you give what you have to Jesus, the leftovers are the blessings. You'll have leftover blessings when you say, Lord, I'm going to give you what I got. And God will give you so much back, you'll have leftover blessings. See, when we partner with Jesus, when we give him what we have, we experience a game-changing moment in our hearts too. Because we understand how faithful God is, how good God is, how God will give us more in return than we could ever give him. But we have to give him what we have. And, and I want you to see a pattern here in this text. I think we have this graphic upstairs, up, up top here. It says, the disciples gave Jesus what they had. Jesus blessed it. 
Jesus gave it back to the disciples. The disciples gave it to the people. The people experienced a game-changing moment with Jesus. To use another sports analogy, it was a give and go from basketball. Give it to Jesus, and then Jesus says go. The Great Commission, what does that say? Go and make disciples. Give Jesus what you've got, and then he's going to give it back to you, and then he's going to say go. Go and make disciples. Go and show people what I've shown you, which is compassion and which is hope. That's what Jesus did. And when we look at this, oh, there's the game-changing moment. It, it, it wasn't that Jesus healed people. It was that Jesus fed people, right? That's the game-changing moment. No. That's not the game-changing moment. It's a huge play. Huge. That's not the game-changing moment. We still haven't gotten to the game-changing moment yet. And, and maybe when you read this text or you hear this, you say, that's great, and I understand the whole game-changing concept, but they were the disciples, they were like super spiritual, right? I mean, they were walking with Jesus for two years, so these guys were dialed in. Like, they knew the playbook. Really? Listen to what it says in John's Gospel. Philip answered, eight months' wages would not buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew Simon, Peter's brother, broke, spoke up and said, here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will they go among so many? These guys were like, it's not going to work, Jesus. This play can't work. The math doesn't add up. Five loaves, two fishes, 15,000 people. They were so scared. They were overwhelmed. And all that Jesus said was, give me what you got. Give me what you have and watch me work. And did you notice in there, it was the little boy who gave them the five loaves and two fishes. The disciples were not the partner with this Jesus in this game-changing moment. It's not the disciples. It's the little boy. The little boy is the one who partnered with Jesus for this game-changing moment. This little boy who just gave what he had. He gave his little sack lunch, and he gave that to Jesus, and Jesus fed 15,000 people. It shows it's not about age. It's not about season of life. You can be a small child or you can be an older man. Give what you have to Jesus and he's going to use it. And he's going to bless others. He's going to bless you. There's going to be leftovers and there's going to be a game-changing moment. See, the game-changing moment, if you want to know what the game-changing moment in this text is, it's in the disciples' hearts. They went from selfish to selfless. They went from greedy to giving. See, the game changer in this is the hearts of the disciples because they were now understanding who Jesus is. He is the Messiah. See, in this, this feeding was just a foretaste of the messianic banquet. It's a foreshadowing of one day when we all sit at the great banquet in heaven with God for those who gave what they had to Jesus. See, the game-changing moment was in the disciples' Right? The other people, hey, they got fed, they got healed, that's awesome, that's great, those are big plays. But game changers are when hearts are changed. When people say, I know who Jesus is, and he's my savior, he's the Messiah, he's my hope, he's, he's my everything. That's the game changing moment. That's what we're called to do, is help people experience a game changing moment. And see, and here's the, here's the secret that nobody likes to share. When we help other people experience a game changing moment, 
we experience a game-changing moment. God does something in us. The disciples were a part of Jesus, healing and feeding, but they were changed because they started to realize this guy, he is the Messiah. He is who he says he is. So I don't, I don't know what you have. Maybe you only have a little bit of time. Give it to Jesus. Say, I got an hour a week. You know what? Come on Sunday mornings to Tim's class. Come on Wednesday nights for Bues and Cues. Say, my kids are so busy, they don't have a lot of time, but I've got an hour or two a week. Have them come to youth group. Have them go to Treehouse Kids. Maybe you say, you know, I have a little bit of ability in singing or I'm okay with kids. Give it, to, give it to the church for an hour. Give it to Jesus. Watch him work. It doesn't matter how much you have. It matters who you give it to. That's the most important thing. And what the disciples learned, they learned two things. Number one, what it takes to be a game changer for the kingdom of God. Number one, give Jesus what you have. Your time, your talents, your treasure. Don't worry about the size. Just give it to him. Number two, give people what Jesus gave you. Compassion and hope. When Jesus healed and when Jesus fed, he was showing people compassion and hope. And that's where the game changing begins in the hearts of people. Who can you be compassionate to? Who can you point people towards the hope of Jesus? That's what, that's what we're called to do. If a little boy can give his sack lunch and God can use that to feed 15,000 people and it can be a game-changing moment, think about what we can do if we just give Jesus what we have. That's a game-changer. It's an absolute game-changer. I'm going to ask our worship team to come back up here and, and, and I want to ask you to kind of really think and pray and, and we've got some things for you, some questions that I'd encourage you, write them down, take a picture of this, talk about it again with your kids, uh, go on Facebook, answer the questions and say, here's what God is doing. Number one, have you given to Jesus what you've got? Have you truly given him whatever time you have? It may not be a lot, but have you given it to him? Whatever talent, maybe you feel like you can sing a little bit. Great. Use it to glorify God. Number two, do you believe Jesus can do more with what you have than you can? Do you say, I know that if I just give Jesus the little that I've got, I think he's going to do it and multiply it in all kinds of ways. And number three, have you found satisfaction in your life? If you give Jesus what you have, you will find satisfaction like you've never imagined.